0: to the side of the goal. Centered in front of the net, they score! Nylander gets the goal. No sooner said than done. And the Maple Leafs have a one nothing lead. Bertuzzi loses a glove. He's playing without one as it comes to him in the corner. That's a little dangerous. A centering pass alone in front of the goal. Back and scores! Never mind. Play without the glove. Yarncrook scores. And the gloveless Bertuzzi makes a great play to get him the puck in the slot, stolen now, Willie Nealander, empty net, driving the net, driving, driving, and scoring! And this one is being put to bed, as the Maple Leafs have a three to nothing lead.
1: I thought we closed really well, I and mean, then we had really good sticks too, um, broke up a lot of plays. They had a lot of almost chances Have we got sticks on, or we got bodies in the way, guys sacrificed well. Uh, I just I just thought we, we really competed at a very high level
0: fan morning show sports at 590 the fan ben Ennis, Brent gunning acting basically as a de facto post-game show because that was like live like i just ended like, yep. that was the final horn and here we are as the uh toronto maple leafs beat the los angeles kings 3-0 in the biggest start of martin jones maple leafs career is that fair to mm. say i like, think so I, I was thinking about it Brent, because i mean this guy's the currently the number one obviously mm-hmm. But the safety net behind him is, there isn't one. That If Martin Jones can't hack it, you're in some big-time problems here as we head towards mid-February. Uh, instead, of, uh, those questions mm-hmm. arising, he puts forth his 30th shutout of his entire career, uh, save percentage now over 920 as a Maple Leaf this season, a thorough beatdown Mm -hmm. of a Kings team that came into Toronto not that long ago and and put forth a pretty solid effort against the Leafs. Leafs uh, pick up the victory in game one of three in California.
2: Let me just say, not a good morning, a great morning. We are so fresh, as you said, in the afterglow. I closed my eyes for four seconds. I woke up and I came in here to tell you all about how great last night was. Yeah, that was a you know, that was a clinical win. That's exactly what you want to see. It was a kind of, to a, not not quite a mirror image of the game we saw back here on on Halloween when the Kings took care of business at home. But what, what were the conversations we were having yesterday about this team of, oh, they've all of a sudden slipped to 10th in points percentage. And okay, well, the way, you know, we kind of looked at it was, how do they stack up against the teams that are above them there? The Kings are the best team in the league in points percentage, or at least they were heading in last night. And the Leafs looked more than capable of hanging with them, and the fact that they're doing it with their third-string goalie, and you know maybe there's no safety net, but if there is any, it's a six-foot-seven you know Hildebees poking around there. And yeah, I we'll did. Talk about that. Yeah, I did kind of change my tune a little bit on goaltending watching that game last night a little bit, uh, but. Massive for Martin Jones, and you know it's funny with narratives, right? You could see yourself either way. I'm sure you can go pull the numbers, and yeah, he's had more wins against the Kings than any other team. I bet you he's surrendered more goals against the Kings than any other team in his career, just having played in that division for so long. But we've seen that story a million times, where a guy who used to torment the Leafs comes back with a different team, and oh, all of a sudden, he's still got it. Nice to see that from Martin Jones. So, so many things to take away from last night's game, but just a really nice clinical win, and this this shouldn't surprise us, because this is what they do when they face a team like this.
0: To me, the biggest t- takeaway is, is the thing that I, I use stats to go against, mm. right? Like, yesterday, I was presenting the case against the Toronto Maple Leafs being good and against them just being a one-issue team right now with the slump that they were going through before yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. But understanding that, that the, the numbers do not add up to what we're seeing with our eyeballs, that it was, it was a one-issue problem for this Leafs team. Uh-huh. This Leafs team is good, was not getting the goaltending it required to, to be one of the upper echelon teams of the National Hockey League points percentage-wise, which they were, when they were getting half-decent goaltending. Uh-huh. You get a guy that doesn't allow you know slappers from just inside the blue line to get past him, uh-huh. and you can beat anybody in the league. They're, <laughs> and their road points percentage, I was looking this up yesterday as well, uh, with the victory yesterday, they're fifth in the National Hockey League in road points percentage this season. Second in the Eastern Conference is a good team. Mm-hmm. Once again, they're just the only way they can be outdone, at least on the, the regular season perspective of things, and missing the playoffs. And you know, it being life and death for them to get into the playoffs is if they get the the type of goaltending mm-hmm. they were getting for the last week and a half. Uh, before Ilya Samsonov went through waivers. If they get half-decent goaltending, obviously you get a shutout, you're going to win every game. But yeah, if they can get half-decent goaltending, if their goaltending doesn't screw them, they're, they're going to be more than adequate.
2: That's what it is, and it's what we've talked about with the... You know, we've joked about it. I keep going back to it, but it's the grand fear. And it wasn't grand fear last night because he made all the saves, but... It wasn't that they needed every single save from him, but there were a few moments where they needed a lot of saves from him, specifically that power play at the end of the second period that the Kings have. He makes six saves on that power play alone, and it just nukes any chance of momentum. You can see it easy. The Kings get a goal there, especially if it's a squeaker that you don't love and all of a sudden it's, oh, here we go again. You play a great hockey game and you're barely up, heading into the third like you just could have seen the writing on the wall. He stood tall. You know, there was a moment early in the game where former Leaf Trevor Moore is streaking in big, big stop early on. So that's the thing that I think if you're going to, if you're going to start to sell yourself on Martin Jones, I don't think you do it going, ah, that's a guy who can give you a shutout. He has the chance to do that every night. No, that's not what you do, but it's the moment he's able to stay calm in the moments that matter most and I think you saw that last night and you know don't not to take anything away from the team in front of them they did a good job for the most part especially earlier on in that game of locking things down and not really giving up too many chances so it was the it was a perfect example of two sides of the coin kind of helping each other out
0: this it's kind of played into the narrative of this team as well right like it's it wasn't they were riding a three-game losing streak. Uh, they had a point mm-hmm. over that span. Uh, the one point was in the the blown lead, uh, Ilya Samsonov disaster in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. Yeah. But but this is a team where the narrative, like you lose the first game, the most difficult game of this three-game California road trip. The losing streak extends to four, and the conversation, I mean, gets even more heated. Mm-hmm. Um, was that, like, did, did you go into that game sensing the need for that type of pushback? Like, did you... I mentioned that was the biggest Mm -hmm. start of Martin Jones' Leafs career, it felt Mm -hmm. like. Did you have a sense that this was, like, one of the biggest games of this Leafs
2: season? I don't think it had the sense of the biggest game of the Leafs season, but I think it was a... It was a litmus test. And it goes back to the conversation we were having heading into the break of there's just not that many of them. And I think when it's a litmus test or measuring stick game or whatever term you want to use, when it's somebody from the other conference specifically, where it's once, twice a year, you know, there's measuring stick games against the Bruins, but those are going to come around every now and again. You'll get the Rangers from time to time. But when it's a team that you get twice a year and there are so few and far between, you know, I think we think of the Golden Knights in this regard, maybe the Avalanches, as well that you you look at and you want to see how they stack up and it's not so much that it was the it was the biggest game of the season in that regard but if the Lease go over two against the Kings and the Kings wax them in both of the games, and it just looks like they can't hang then I think we do have questions about what kind of echelon of the league. This Leafs team is in. Nobody's putting them out of the playoffs. At least I wouldn't have been if they lost last night. But I think the fact that they look that way against a more than capable, more than competent team that can stack. I think the other part of it as well is that that Kings team can stack up so well with what the lease are able to do. It's like they have two forward lines that have been going, going, going. Well, It just feels
0: like a prototypical playoff team. That's exactly it.
2: Three big centers, big defensemen, goalie making saves at this moment in time. If I was a Kings fan, I'd be sitting here dying for the playoffs to start before Cam Talbot turns into... Cam Talbot, yeah. but uh, that. But you're right. Like it is a prototypical big, heavy Western Conference playoff team.
0: Well, you know what the Leafs' record is now against the West with that. that Give victory? it to
2: me. I have based on the way you said that, I think I'm going to like this. You
0: are, buddy. Eight two and two Woo! against the Western Conference are the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs this season. Again, that was the the hardest of the the three games upcoming on the mm-hmm. California road trip, and it is just three instead of the five gamer that they went through a season ago back to back tonight. Against the Anaheim Ducks. All right, w- w- there's a there's a lot of William Nylander discussion mm. today, which we will get to as well. But yes. he had a, a two goal night mm-hmm. yesterday. He's on pace for what 117 points, 44 goals, coming off a 40 goal season a year ago. Uh, starts the the season off with the incredible point streak. He's just he hasn't let up even for a second this nope. season. In a massive, massive year for him, a contract year, a year in which you know. Things go a different way. Maybe we're having a different discussion. Maybe Nick Kyrpios isn't talking about 11 and a quarter over eight. Again, we'll get to that in just a second. But they're, they're just like, where have the, the, the follow moments been for William Nylander this season? It just felt like they, they haven't existed.
2: There was little hiccup. Coming out of Sweden, I think that was masked by everybody having the hiccup. And we had already, I mean, part of it was that the Leafs had a bye week coming out of their bye week uh, that they had in Sweden. So we had to find something to talk about. But we were already excusing the swoon that he was going to have coming out of that trip. But I think that you've just seen a guy who is growing into his consistency as a player. And, you know, it's funny. We always talk about progress not being linear. It kind of has been in terms of William Nylander's consistency. Like it feels like as the years have ticked along those Nylander swoons where he goes to the doghouse and he he has openly said, I need to be coached hard in those moments. It feels like those were fewer last year than they were the year before. And it's been even fewer this year than what we've seen in years past. Well, it is the one place in yeah. this world where we do tend to see just straightforward well, linear progression in terms of his consistency.
0: The, well, consistency, but also like just production. The, just, yeah. just the numbers, right? Uh, 21, 22, 80 points, 34 goals. Last season, 40 goals, 87 points. This season through 35 games, we got the the 19 goals and the 50 points. But also, I mean, add on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing in all situations he's killing penalties yep. he's averaging over 20 minutes a game I mean this is I feel like going under the radar a little bit the, the, the guy's playing almost two minutes more per game mm-hmm. he's averaging over 20 minutes a game 2018 this season last year he was 1833 I mean the, the argument for Mitch Marner and I know I do this I'm mm-hmm. guilty of pitting the two against you're, each other you're but actively doing like, it right like, now like, but sorry no it's but, fine <laughs> Because the William Nylander contract extension discussion, that's for next season. and Mitch Marner. Sorry, what did it's, I say?
2: William Nylander. Because oh, you no. think he's better. That's why you're saying it. That's where you're going with this. Maybe. No.
0: Well, mm. I mean, so the argument <laughs> for Mitch Marner um, was that he plays in all situations, right? Selkie guy. This is a guy they don't that's
2: make selkie winners.
0: A, a, tw- a 200-foot player that he kills penalties. Well, I mean, now you don't have that anymore. And you do have the guy that scores more often than Mitch Marner, who mm-hmm. I understand has a thirty-five goal season, I, I, like I just where poke the hole in his game. Yeah, I I find it very difficult to do so right now. Also produces in the playoffs. Like where where's the issue? He's not a center, I guess. Uh, but he it, never said he was one. Is Mitch Marner.
2: Yeah. Well, now as David now I have been told. I have been told. Uh, yeah. No, you can't do it right now. He's strong as an ox. You see moments in that Kings game last night where. And I think he's finally getting the proper due for this part of his game. That's the thing I think we've given him the most credence for this year, a little bit last year as well, is that he's heavy. He has had Mm. moments in the past where he doesn't play that way. But when he is engaged and he has been engaged for the vast majority outside of a you know a minuscule amount of games this year when he's engaged he is a bull he's impossible to knock off the puck and that's why to your point about the playoff stuff that's why he's able to perform in those situations and not that we need to pit the two of them against each other but but you already have so we're here you're the bad guy for once not me because I love to pit these guys against each other okay but when you're just gonna look at why does one player perform in the playoffs? Why does one player not? Well, the fact that Newlander is as strong and as stout as he is, and yeah, he's not six foot five. He's not five foot eight either. Okay. Like he can more than handle himself in those situations. The fact that he is this unplappable guy, I don't think we I don't think we can, you know. Just paper over that part of it. We love when guys care. And I won't think anybody would accuse Nylander of not caring, but he's able to care when it matters and then uh, immediately shut it off. Could you lot imagine? There's
0: a caring with this Leafs team recently. Okay. Simone Benoit yeah, can gets we, in the scrap. Okay. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of scrums. It's like, uh, Matthew's getting run over and, mm-hmm. and people coming to his defense. Mitch Barner like th- grabbed a
2: man in a scrum. <laughs> he touched his palm to another man's face last night in a scrum. Yeah. I love like I'm half joking here. You love to see it. And then Nyes comes in. And ever since that pit, ever since he went bar down backhand in that Pittsburgh game, mere moments before the fight, it's like, he just woke up and realized, Oh, I am six foot two two twenty, and I can do different things in this league than just kind of skate around and be fast. It's, it's remarkable to see him kind of coming into his own, the Benoit of it all. I, I agree to summer. I'm never going to complain about a fight. I didn't love him taking that one, but you love that he's able to and willing to, and it's just been a really nice part of this team. And, it felt so organic last night. That was the other part of it. You know, we've had moments in Leafs games where you go, "All right, they got to show they're tough and they're all going to make mean faces in the scrums and it's cool." That just came about organically. Dubois sees Matthews and he sees Red every single time for whatever reason. I mean, we know why cuz he's not Austin Matthews and he thinks he should be. But you look at that, you look at that game last night and it wasn't putting on a show. It wasn't Ryan Reeves sitting there going, come on, boys, we got to be tougher. No, it was just the 18 skaters in the lineup kind of sticking up for one another. And honestly, you you love to see it. And We have not seen it from this Leafs team in any iterations. I mean, we've seen it in moments here and there, but doing that against that Kings team on the road to start a three-game road trip, I don't know if there's some tie-in. I know I'm going on here. I don't know if there's some tie-in there to the fact that They do feel backs against the wall. We got to pull together for Jonesy and Net, and we got to have some more tight defensive structure and just kind of having that galvanizing feeling about needing to do more as a team because it really felt like it just came from such an organic place last night.
0: I don't know. The Brad Marchand thing feels like a million years ago, Mm -hmm. and it yeah. I mean now now that we've seen proof of concept that this team has pushback that you know they can one get in fights that they, they can have after whistle scrums it does feel like i i go back and i view the mm-hmm. Marshan thing a little bit differently from the perspective that we we heard from those players that it was like kind of a weird play that like in the moment it was hard to know whether it was dirty or not and yeah it sucks that timothy Lilligren missed what mm-hmm. a month and a half after that but no this is or do you, what, you you think no, that was I actually think- the moment where the switch flipped, where they're like, oh yeah, no, we can't be that anymore? Because I I think this, I don't think anything's changed with the the mental makeup of this team. I think this always existed within this team. And that was just early on in the season, a weirdo a weirdo situation that had mm-hmm. us on edge and wondering whether this was the same old Leafs team.
2: I don't think it was a, a zero to 100 flipping of a switch moment, but I do think that was a little bit of a like, Come to Jesus moment for this Leafs team, and I think it took a while for the message to set in because we did have a couple of moments. I'm trying to remember the particulars afterwards. Where we went, oh, okay, you know that's a bit of a greasy
0: play. No one did anything, so I don't yeah, think it, but was it was a zero to shortly one. Shortly after that, that they had the Canucks the game, Canucks game. With, the, with the two instigators.
2: and then they took a month off because they had to go to Sweden. Thank you, Gary. And then they, but the point the point I make is that it wasn't like they overnight became a different team. But I think that was the you know that was the lighting of the of, of the match, if you will. It didn't immediately set everything on fire, but it started to get things going. I do think there was something of that being, you know, a a turning of a key as opposed to like a complete switch flipping. But yeah, I think, I think there was something kind of galvanizing about it. Another thing I'd say is that uh, this is so unfair and I don't even want to do this today coming off of that oh, game, but yeah.
0: do it now. Yeah, uh, no fair. I've already pitted uh, William Nylander against Mitch Marner. What's, what's your unfair thing? Well, you're it's, gonna just, do?
2: it's just, it's just. I need I don't want there to be a reason to need to see it, but I need to see it against the team that they feel things about against. Oh, against the be Bruins. it a Tampa, be it a Boston. Uh, Tampa stinks. Though. Yeah, well, no, Tampa stinks. But guess what? Nikita Kucherov, they're, they're going to play him one more time in April. And, they're, and Nikita Kucherov is going to do something uh, borderline criminal in that game. And I would like to see it then. I think there is still a different element of. You know, it's almost like you're on vacation and you're like, yeah, we're in L.A. I could be a different guy. I wear affliction shirts. I fight now. This is who I am. I want to see it when you're back at home. Can you continue to be that guy? And I, I don't have reason to believe that they can't, but I think if there is a final test in that regard for this Leafs team, that's where it comes. Oh, but so count. far, doesn't count no, that's, the Kings. That is I not. It. That is not what I'm saying. Kings, big heavy team, love to see it. Don't even want to have that discussion today. But I do think it must be said because it's just a different animal when it's when it's teams you've known. And, and let's be honest, just really two guys, Kucherov and Brad Marchand. Yeah.
0: Uh, the The Lightning did lose yesterday to the Jets. So I mentioned that Leafs have this great. Points percentage on the road, mm-hmm. which they added to yesterday. So they should not win the Atlantic. They're, they're fifth, well, they're, they're <laughs> fifth in the NHL in road points percentage, second in the Eastern Conference in roads point percentage, just behind the the team that's number one in the NHL in overall points percentage, the New York Rangers. They're 21st in the NHL in home points percentage. Hmm. So, I mean, it does make you think, and then, you know, you go back to the the, the Panthers series a season ago. Is this is a team that, like, now we have a growing sample that they, they're pretty good road dogs. Like, does it make you think about like how, how much a goal it should be to finish either in second in the Atlantic or at the, the top of the Atlantic and make sure you have that extra home game in the first round of the playoffs? No,
2: it doesn't. I think you still want to take care of business and be rolling as well as you can heading into playoffs. And I think that, uh, you know, if I, I feel like Sammy starts a lot at home. That's just completely anecdotal. I've not looked that up, but I feel like he's got the net a lot at home. And if their record's going to be bad, yeah, shocker. It's in games that he's, he's played a fair handful of. I think that this is a, it is, I look at it more as a good sign that they are that much better on the road than worry about their ability to play at home. The stuff we've talked about in years past is still real that if the stinker goes in in a home playoff game early on, yeah, it gets tight in there. Like, I'm not going to sit here and and tell you otherwise. But I also think it's overstated the other way that, oh, it's it's a dull barn and there's nothing going on. No, 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 no. You give those people anything to be excited about, and they will more than rise to the occasion there. So I think there is – that worries me if it's Ilya Samsonov is the goalie and it's it's what's he – how's he going to react to a bad moment or something? Do you give it to me?
0: (laughs) It's not going to help your argument. Oh, no? No. uh, A lot of Joe Wall. In his 15 games played this season, nine of them have come on the road, Ilya Samsonov. Uh, and he's one in uh, one two and five in those games. Yuff. He's four oh and one at home with a, a save percentage of eight sixty four. Again, oh. like thank you to Frank Saravelli yesterday for yeah alerting us to something that's like plainly obvious mm-hmm. that like Ilya Samsonov's record is not bad despite having one of the worst save percentages um through almost twenty games in Leafs history. But mm-hmm. yeah, a weirdo, weirdo season, especially considering the splits that he's he has no regulation. He did not have a regulation loss at home in his six starts <laughs> wow. this season. All right. Anything else from this game before we move on to William Nylander?
2: Uh, I, ju- I just wanted to – it it ended up not factoring – well, I shouldn't say not factoring in, but the Matthews line was just shot out of a cannon to start that game. It felt like his first three, four shifts he had mm-hmm. grade A, A plus, plus, plus scoring Fateway chances there. Yeah, it, he – he was rolling and you know, he we he's looked like that in Winnipeg on a Wednesday, okay? But there's something about him being in LA, the stars, he's in his his Justin Bieber jersey and the Kings are God. I wearing... hate those jerseys. Okay. I, I tweeted this last night, but we used to we used to live in a society where Doug Gilmore and Wayne Gretzky looked great when those franchises played each other, and now I gotta stay up until ten thirty wondering if I'm taking hallucinogens because I have to look at the chrome monstrosity domes. that is the chrome domes, I'll give my I've given my take on this before. I'll give it again. Those helmets should only be worn at 1030 at night when they play the Golden Knights and they're mm. wearing their shiny gold helmets as well. Because guess what? Uh, unless that's in the Western Conference final, I'm not staying up for that one. Mm -hmm. So that is the only time that should happen. But, yeah, the Matthews line, I just thought they were shot out of a cannon. Doing a lot of Nylander talk today, rightfully so. Bertuzzi, I did love the way the guys were talking about him. I don't know if you saw some of the quotes coming out about Bertuzzi, but, oh, yeah, if anyone's going to set up a play with one glove, it's Bert. Oh, that's just crazy, Bert. They talk about him like that buddy of yours from college who's liable to get into anything one way or another. It's like, oh, where'd you, I don't know, I wound up on the other side of a border. Or it's like, I enrolled in a master's program like there is nothing that is off the table for for Bertuzzi I love to see that last night and then we already touched on it but the physicality like that was the biggest not biggest takeaway because Martin Jones and Nylander and all that but th- that is the thing that I think is most encouraging coming out of that game Lisa played good good games against good teams before but really rising to the moment physically against the Kings team love to see it and, and it's a big heavy Kings team who plays that playoff style of hockey
0: no there's I don't Yeah, there's there's no opponent during the regular season that you feel like the Leafs are going to be outclassed against because it just it hasn't happened. They played the Bruins to a stalemate over 60 plus minutes Mm -hmm. They played the Rangers pretty damn well. They played the Kings now to uh, to a, a three the tune of a three nothing victory on the road. All right oh i changed my mind I oh you do it. you i asked i, I, know, listen, I know i just my set notes, up the last my note didn't 30 note. seconds about last chance to say something about the game but go ahead
2: my notes didn't didn't load uh but they didn't load yeah craig simpson
0: but they didn't load yeah no they didn't like you go, gotta load my
2: google doc oh, refreshed itself okay and then i was waiting for really it to strange. reappear in front of my eyes okay craig simpson uh late in the third period uh probably about eight thousand whistles in the first nine seconds of yeah. play him just openly complaining for Leaf fans in our time zone watching that. I've never felt more seen in my life, so we have him on the show. I always love him, but I actually love Craig Simpson now for that. And then when the goal was disallowed right away on Jones, which, uh, by the way, I, uh, I made for sure the right call, but if the right call went against the Leafs, I'd be screaming from the rooftops, I think, about that one. But there were, they cut to a crowd shot of a fan in a Kings jersey, and it's just funny because, you know, like – when I'm golfing, I will say hockey terms sometimes. Like if a putt needs to roll, I go, "Oh, skate, skate, skate." So we all have these like localisms that bleed in other sports. But they cut to a Kings fan in the crowd, and they're doing the throw the flag motion from an NFL game, like it should be pass interference or something. And I think yeah. they wanted Todd McClellan to challenge. I think that's what they were getting at there. But I just had to laugh at the Kings fan, who obviously, like you know, probably grew up more accustomed to football. Those type yeah, of things. Yeah, I don't know. What throw is, the
0: flag. What are you going to indicate? Like you point to upstairs I mean, or something? Or no, like phone? I, just, I don't know. No, Get I on the screen, the phone? Just,
2: just me. Yeah. I'm in that spot. I am, I am Kings fan Patty or whoever, whoever, whatever her name was. Who who's throwing the challenge flag there? I am probably just screaming uh, a lot of words I can't say into this mic right now. Is probably what I'm doing. I don't know. If there's a gesture. Oh, wait, there is. Uh, it's a couple fingers going up. Mm-hmm. You all can right. guess which ones. Not thumbs. Okay.
0: Uh, are all your notes loaded? Like, yeah. are you good. My notes are loaded. Okay, yeah. good. I'm good. All right, we're gonna move on. we'll, we'll revisit the game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk to our uh, our, uh, our pals uh, later on after 7 o'clock, including Gord Stelic. But, okay, so that that's the news well, no. of the day is the Leafs in a shutout victory with Martin Jones after all the discourse around goaltending and Ilya Samsonov being sent through waivers. And he's not going to play, by the way, in the AHL for at least a week. He's going to get a mental reset, which is always great when the millionaire gets to just sit around and do nothing because, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I guess we gotta we gotta try and dig deep on what exactly ails Ely Samsonov. I have an idea. But anyways, that's besides the point. So that's that's the headline item. But like growing in import mm-hmm. is the William Nylander contract extension negotiation, which started yesterday on Real Kipper and Born mm-hmm. with Nick Kiprios and and this revelation. There's lots of talk about William Nylander. Ooh, mm. And what kind of talk? Well, just words. Trending closer yes. to the Leafs and Willie getting a deal done is what I hear. Really? Yeah. You know, I've heard similar. And the general feeling amongst I think both sides is they'd like to get it done before the NHL All Star Weekend. So that is February third. That is one month from now. The other belief is that it will be uh, a number that that's good. is over 11 mm, so that's, that's good mm. 11.25 is the one that uh is probably mentioned the most mm-hmm. times 8 okay that's important times 8 so 1125 um, is notable for a couple of different reasons. One is it's a lot bigger than, like, whoa, 10 million. Remember the discussion? No, no, no. no we got to really go. We got to double
2: digits. We got to go back even further. When Timo Meyer, it's like, <laughs> oh,
0: that's a pretty good comp for Willie at 8-8. Eight, eight. Yeah, I think that's the same guy. Yeah, second line winger for the Devils. Yeah, definitely uh, the same guy. No, probably not. Okay, so 11-2-5 is exactly the cap hit for David Pasternak, mm. who just signed this past off season, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, went into the season last year. His contract with... Kind of right around now. Yeah, Boston Bruins. And yeah, they 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 re-upped him on that exact number. A guy who scored 60 goals, though, a season ago. They are now tied, though, William Nylander and David Pasternak, with 50 points of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, times eight, though. To, times eight. Yeah. We, we've seen that once with the Leafs' core. A guy that gets like not not underrated because people get mad if uh, Sheldon Keefe was asked this right. question a couple of weeks ago if you keep, uh, if if Morgan Riley's underrated he's like well not if you keep asking me the same question like he's <laughs> properly rated here but that's the guy that did it he did the damn thing he's yep. like yo oh, i get your i understand your 3 and 4 year extensions but i i actually just want to be here mm-hmm. uh, lock me in for 8 years obviously John Tavares did not have the option of no. of 8 years but he signed a 7 year extension yeah Eight years, to me, changes things. What what do you think about 11 and a quarter times eight, Brent?
2: I think it's a lot of money. It's a lot of term. I think I'm almost positive we are past the can you give this guy the long-term security of an eight-year deal? I think we talked about all the consistency and trending upwards contract years have happened before, but very rarely does a guy have a mini contract year and follow it up with a super contract year. Like kind of like what we've seen with Nylander over last season and bleeding into this one here. It's a number that I think would allow people to say, Oh, once again, nobody in the Leafs core willing to take, a little less. I don't think that is a, by any means a disastrous number for Nylander, or if it ends up being there, that it is a colossal overpay or anything along those lines, but you can't sit there and say he's taken less to win or taken less to have a team deal. I mean, maybe what he could get, Twelve five on the open market and go be a shark. I mean, everyone's everyone's kind of bandied about the Blackhawks thing of does he want to go be Bedard's running mate? They would have the cap, yeah, but, pace, it's, but I, that's I think a different the, animal.
0: He's acquiescing with the eight. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, no, the number is ginormous. Eleven two five, and there's a statistical argument to be made that yet mm-hmm. the, the okay, that's the 6 highest cap hit in the league. Yep, yeah. but it's owned by the guy he's tied in points with. In David Pasternak, who's also a winger, right? It's less than Artemi mm-hmm. Panarin, but it's r- it's right there yeah. amongst the best wingers in the National Hockey League, of which he is one. It's not the highest nope. cap hit on this team, but it's the second highest. Like, is he the second most valuable forward on this team? Second most valuable player on this team? Is it hard to argue against it right now? Yeah. It's the times eight, which, okay, 11-2-5 it's a lot more than you would have anticipated the number being at this point, considering the discourse around him mm-hmm. going into the season. Guy's taking another step forward. Um, it, I, there's an an argument to be made that it's it's fair market value, and it's the times eight. Like, how long until this deal doesn't look like maybe a discount, mm-hmm. but you're like, holy cow. William Nylander, 11-2-5, considering where the cap is going, considering what Mitch Marner's about to sign a year from now, maybe? Well, I
2: think that is the... That's the elephant in the room that I don't know. I mean, obviously Bradshaw Living's thinking about it. I'm sure Mitch Barner's agent is licking his chops thinking about it. But Mm. it's the argument that was made by some people when Tavares signed, that it was the raising of the internal cap. Now, obviously, Matthews is the new internal cap on this team. No one's going above him, rightfully so. He is the, I don't know, second best player in the league. On any given night, the best player in the league, Uh, you know, still McDavid, but you understand what I'm saying there. I think that that's the part of this that is very tricky for me to not understand, but try to see play out because we just had the conversation for the better part of a calendar year now. And you know, Marner was great last year. You can make the argument team MVP. I think some people overstated that argument at times, but you could definitely make that case last year. But for the better part of a calendar year, Nylander has been the better player now, but Marner, what's he going to do? Get a, Eight hundred or a five hundred grand raise to be just a little less than Nylander? No, I can't see that happening. That's the dynamic Could they make of
0: this. the same? Like and, and like well, the way the, other, it, the way inflation works, if, he's, if he if right. also makes eleven and a quarter, and now like I, you talk about the internal cap, but now yeah. it's like proof of concept with the eight years, mm-hmm. right?
2: Well, this is the part that I've wondered. I often thought that that would be Marner's way of getting the win mm-hmm. was that Matthews would do his four, and you know who knows what happens with Nylander, and then he goes, guys, I'm the one who will do eight right punch in the air right now if Nylander ends up taking eight because
0: that was his move that's what he was supposed well, to do he could be the team player and just take 11 times eight
2: <laughs> would I'll tell you what buddy uh, you want to hold your breath and wait for it because no. I am not I think that the other part of this that you know Kipper and Bourne did a good job talking about this is the Leafs using their financial muscles is they can do the opposite of the Shohei Otani thing where they give them all the money up front and turn it into, not that it's more money, but, you know, guys. No, it is more money. Well, money today right.
0: is is worth more than money tomorrow.
2: Guys like the idea of getting the big fat signing bonus in the first year or two, giving it to their money manager, go letting that money work. And then from a lease perspective, if you've paid out a bunch of that contract early on, in the world where, you know, Nylander tails off in the last two, three years of that deal, obviously there's going to be some type of no move, no trade that would be involved yeah. in that. But... I think that I don't know like it, let's say let's let's look 6 years into the crystal ball down the line here and things aren't going so swimming in leafland you're telling me William Neelanders putting up a stink to go be a coyote
0: 6 years yeah I don't know. Yeah, I that's know. what like, I mean. Right? Exactly. This is what I mean. We think the Coyotes are still going to be in Arizona yeah. in okay, six sure. years.
2: The Houston Coyotes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, my, the point stands is that they can ha- they can, they can front load this deal to the point where it does make it easier to potentially get out of or move around in the back end of it. the The eleven two five is a number that is going to. Sh- It shouldn't startle people, but I think that they still wince at it a little bit because we're still in a world where 10 feels crazy. I know Matthews is 13, and I know McDavid's 12, 5, and so is McKinnon, but we're still in that world where a guy who we don't think of as a 1A superstar, and we probably should the way he's performed this year, I think that's the part of it is that I think most people still think of him as a... Second tier star, and that to that does not feel like to a lot of people, second tier money. It is the way it's going to trend, but I think that's where most people kind of blush.
0: Here are the players that would be ahead of him in cap hit Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, Austin Matthews, Eric Carlson. That's it, and he'd be tied with David Pasternak, cap hit slightly ahead of uh John Tavares's 11 million per. Yep. It's a big number. Uh, he's earned it though. it's hard it's it's hard to argue against no the, what he's done this season and the growing sample over now three years.
2: The pasta comparable is the is the tough one because he scored 60. He scored 60, but he also signed that in a time when it was understood. The cap should be going up, but we did not have the certainty that we do now that it will I mean, you know, there is no certainty two, three years down the line, but we've heard from Bettman it's gonna go up four million. Things are trending out of the, you know, God, people hate hearing this stuff. The like extra escrow tax that the players had to pay during COVID and all of that. You're starting to work your way out of that. So I think that's the part of it that doesn't make it a one-to-one calculation. It's like, yes, David Pasternak signed for eleven two five in the midst of a sixty goal season. He also did it in an era where maybe there was still going to potentially be a flat cap. Where Nylander's doing it in an era where there is not going to be one. That's why I don't think it's a a complete apples to apples. Because if you're just doing that, Nylander should not be at eleven two five. If you're if you're going to say Pasternak was worth that in the midst of a sixty goal season. I don't know that you could say Newlander's worth that.
0: I think everybody knew that the cap was going up, but I will say that, like, as much as I said, yeah, the money today is worth more than money tomorrow, that, like, even just one year later, Mm -hmm. right, like, that there is inflation, like, literally, Literally. like, in the world, but also in the world of pro sports, where contracts get bigger, right, Mm -hmm. each and every year. And so, 11.25 as an AAV in 2024, not the same as 11.25 as an AAV in 2023. So, it is... Slightly less, despite the fact that yeah, he's going to be paid at one year beyond David Pasternak, who also signed an eight-year extension with the Boston Bruins last year. Yeah, the other the other I don't thing. I want to get into an economics thing.
2: No, I definitely, I definitely don't. I've told you I hate thinking about money. It's like my least favorite thing in the world. Um, the the other thing that I think is interesting about this is if you're Brad for living, the poker element of it all. Let's say he was super confident in his negotiating skills, and he thinks. I can uh, I get that to ten seven, 5 I can. Let's refer, I don't know why he would think that, but let's say that he thinks that, given everything that happened with Goudreau and it being the same agent and this being, you know, he did Matthews and that was huge, but I think like we're still still waiting for this trade he's supposed to make with the John Klingberg money that has not uh, been, been utilized yet, that this is a massive moment early in his career how as Leafs GM. How much of it is worth just the... Peace of mind of not having the Johnny Goudreau of it all hanging over your head to go. Okay, fine. Like maybe I do want 1075 seven five or eleven, but uh, fine. Eleven two five is is more than worth it. I,
0: I think that's an interesting topic of discussion. I think we'll we'll table that for later. All right, talking about. Uh, <laughs> fact that I probably could have negotiated 11 to five times 8 okay. for William. Okay. Like I probably Do you could have. think I, to the I, uh, I'm just going
2: to posit this to you. Do you think there is a bespectacled gentleman who might be playing his trade in Pittsburgh,
0: who uh, might have, who could have maybe got think there. You, you might be honest. Hopefully. Okay. All right. When we come back though, uh, Raptors in Memphis tonight, second game with the new dudes trying to uh, stay unbeaten in 2024. What's the uh, bar for success now with this Raptors team? That and more next. The fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
1: Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Bourne. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pascal Siakam in Toronto. And I think initially what you're seeing the Raptors try to do is put a team around Scotty Barnes at 22 years old that fits him age wise. Siakam is going to be 30 before the end of this season. Uh, he has started to really play very well again. Uh, he's got value around the league, but he's also going to be a free agent. And I think if you're Toronto, if you're not going to re sign him, you can't let him walk. Uh, like Fred Van Vliet walked, uh, certainly like they lost uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yep. That was a different situation. That was the one-year rental. They won a title. Uh, but I think for Siakam, there's some leverage in that if a team's going to trade for him, they want to know that they can re-sign him, that he'll want to be here. And that's going to uh, dictate how much they might offer Toronto in a deal. But I do think there's a window here where the Raptors get to see what Siakam looks like with R.J. Barrett with Emmanuel Quickly and this group with the Raptors. But certainly, I think that's going to be a player here we're going to watch uh, over the next month.
0: Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet of The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN. As uh, the Raptors getting set to play the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis tonight after the Grizzlies took care of the Spurs yesterday. So they're playing on the back end of backpacks. John Moran throwing it down over Wemby. Yesterday. I did see
2: that. I also saw Wemby with a, like, running one-footed three.
0: That, that, that is like a – yeah. Okay, it's the so first time he's done it in the NBA. But, that's but like his move. Part of, it's a floater. It's a 3.1-footed floater, <laughs> which didn't look – I mean, it's supposed to look better than it did yesterday. It went in, but it, like, hit both rims, like, off the backboard, like, 100 feet in the air, and then went down. But, you know, that's like part of this scouting report on Wemby. It's like a floater <laughs> – From the three-point line. Okay,
2: so visually, I know we're going to talk raps here, but just give me a second on Yama. What is more jarring visually, the three-footed running floater or that still— Or, sorry, the three that would be that would be very impressive. <laughs> yeah. But the the one footed running floater from three, or the still image we saw from the preseason of him dunking from his feet outside the restricted area on yeah. Thomas Bryant, and then he, the Heat players just looking at the camera. He basically Jim Halpert at the camera. Like what am I what am I doing with that? And the answer is nothing. You're no. just gonna you're just gonna go run the other side of the court, and probably not gonna go very well for you over there. If either.
0: the one footed. <laughs> three-point floater becomes a thing like that's that's, yeah that's gonna be the thing
2: mm. anyways you know who will not like that actually it doesn't seem petty i wouldn't like it if i was this person dirk it's like dirk was the like lanky euro who had the funny it's like this is another completely other animal yeah i could do one all day but we won't uh
0: he's shooting under 30 percent from three i believe this season anyway and he's not gonna win rookie of the year either it doesn't look like but uh okay that's besides the point they lost yet again to uh, the Grizzlies, who Good are much job. much better with John Morant, it turns out, who the uh, number two selection in that draft a couple of years ago mm-hmm. is going to be facing number three, which we don't talk about that rivalry because no. there isn't one between no. John Morant <laughs> and R.J. Barrett. Anyways, that is the matchup tonight for the Raptors in Memphis, uh, coming off their victory over the Cavs in Game One mm-hmm. of this new generation of team. And Adrian Wojnarowski, we just played you the clip. There is a run up here about a month until the NBA trade deadline where there could be a big decision made. We already know that, listen, this is not like a short-term fix. This isn't a like, hey, we'll wait and see if the R.J. Barrett-Emmanuel Quickly thing works. Like, those guys are going to be around. Like, Mm -hmm. R.J. Barrett, under contract, Emmanuel Quickly, restricted free agent, going to be signed to a long-term extension, which is it's the NBA. It's not like the NHL, so long-term is going to be like four years. Mm -hmm. But whatever, those guys are – that's the new core – of this Raptors team around Scotty Barnes. But there is a decision to to be made when it comes to Pascal Siakam and his fit in the immediacy around those guys. Uh, So we'll be gauging that on a day-to-day basis. What is your expectation though from a win-loss perspective for this team as we go forward, the start of this crazy six-game road trip where the the Knicks players, poor Knicks players, were just on a long road trip. They get the one home game, and then they go back on the road for another week and a half. But, like, what's a successful outcome this season, considering you're acclimatizing a couple of new dudes and we're still learning about them?
2: I think that if you have made this push, it is not absolutely necessary because of the age of the players, but... I don't know that a lot is going to change. You know, obviously the pieces around them will change and maybe there's a better fit, you know, after a potential Siakam trade if that happens. But to a certain extent, you need to see some results from these guys early on to believe in this. You you know, this isn't just a bunch of Scotty Barnes where it's all young players. Yes, R.J. Barrett is still a young player. Yes, Quickly is still a young player, but they are also... This is going to be the opportunity, especially with quickly, where he really has a chance to kind of thrive. And if you don't see that take hold, it doesn't need to take hold like it did the other night immediately in this. But you need to see it over the course of this season that those three guys thrive together. You from a win loss perspective, it kind of feels like the 41 wins last year. You have to have to have to get past that now. Now. It's not by a crazy margin because I don't look at this and say ah, it's a fifty-win team all of a sudden. I don't necessarily think that. So I, I think it's going to be that kind of mushy NBA middle, but it's going to be with a much better second half than the first. That's how I look at it. Maybe that's play-in tournament. Maybe you're safely just outside of it. But that that's kind of what I look at for this team. Where where are you at?
0: No, it has to be at least a play-in tournament appearance. Oh well, yes,
2: play-in tournament for sure.
0: Yeah, they're seven games under five hundred. I think five hundred be Acceptable? You're talking about 41 wins. That'd be acceptable, mm-hmm. but no. Like the wins have to to start coming yep. for this team. And to me, I, I look at at one statistical area specifically, and it's the record against below 500 teams of this Raptors team. They're seven and seven this season against below 500 team. Now against above 500 teams, mm-hmm. they're brutal. They're six and 13. 7 and seven. You're like, ah, it's not. No, that's horrible. Yeah. That those are like. L- look at some of the teams that are around them as far as the record against uh, below 500. The Charlotte Hornets are yes. five and five against below five hundred teams. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who they just beat, it was a statistic raised during that mm-hmm. game. They're seven and thirteen. Like they're only so they played one more game against above five hundred teams than the Raptors have. Mm-hmm. Raptors are six and thirteen against above five hundred teams. The Cavs are seven and thirteen against above five hundred teams. They're eleven and two. <laughs> against teams that are below 500. The Miami Heat are 4th in the Eastern Conference. They're 5 and 9 against teams that are above 500, but they're 14 and 5 against the dregs of the NBA. This is the the bare minimum you have to show me is that you don't show up needing a 20-point comeback against the San Antonio freaking Spurs, right? <laughs> like that's the bare minimum. You don't need to to go out and do like a, the Thunder did yesterday and it shout out to SGA who's boy very much, once mm-hmm. again, in the MVP conversation, beat the Celtics, right? You don't, I don't necessarily need that. What I need you to do, the bare minimum, finish 500 and beat the snot out of the teams you're supposed to beat. And that's happened occasionally. Yep. But also just lost to the Pistons, right? Like, so no more of that. Like, no more days off where you look like you're, you belong in that group amongst the worst teams in the NBA. You need to certainly distinguish yourself as different than those teams, which they have not done this season.
2: Yeah, the only problem with that is that after that Cavs game where they did that, they, are, they don't get a chance to do that for 100 right. years. Because this Grizzlies team yeah. falls in that category, but they don't yeah. because the the good player
0: just came back yeah, on, on their Yeah, but they team. just barely beat the Spurs. Like, no, that this is this – is, I, I do consider this one of the – well, I mean – Yes. You know why I do consider True. it a game against the sub five hundred team? Because they're they are, they are. Yeah. <laughs> they're playing on the it's, back end of back to backs. Yeah, no no, I'm not
2: saying you can't take care of business against this grizzly team, nor shouldn't you. It's just that Grizzlies, Kings, Warriors, yeah, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, yeah. all on the road, Celtics at home, Heat at home, and then hey, yeah. Bulls at home, January eighteenth. Yeah, two weeks and a day from now, yeah. they get a chance to God. play one of those dregs. So I cannot wait. Uh, to do that while we're in the throes of NFL playoffs, that's how long from now that is.
0: No, it's a great point. Um, so yeah, but like I said, just hold, like just be five hundred-ish. Mm-hmm. Like again, three and three road trip. Considering quite some honestly, of the teams I would take. Playing.
2: I would take two and four. You, I- I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm so I'm so proud of you, Coach Darko, and the Raps. Oh, look at what you did. You went two and four, but mm-hmm. I would. I, I wouldn't uh, gladly, but I'd handshake sign up for that right now because 1-5 in five is
0: very much in the cards. So is 0-1-6. It's not of well, the realm of possibility. Uh, I think 0-1-6 is a nightmare. And I, yeah, of I course it that, is. That doesn't happen all that often. Uh, and also the Raptors have a history of going out on these daunting road trips and actually surprising. So, like, yeah, it wouldn't also surprise me to see them go 4-2, and two, shockingly, yeah. on, on this road trip. Um, Maybe we don't have enough time to get fully into mm-hmm. it, but you mentioned... Darko Ryakovich, yeah. who, I mean, part of the selling feature of him this season was he's he's two pronged effect. Like if, if you're good, like maybe this is a guy that uh, X's and O's wise can can lead you to some extra victories that you might not have under somebody who's just a pure development coach. But he's also that too, right? Like if you do pivot to a, a mm-hmm. young team, he can just he can be the raw raw guy that works well with young players and 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 helps them reach their potential. Well, that's gone. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get it. R.J. Barrett's 23. Like, Emmanuel, these are young players. They're established players. Like, this yeah. is, okay, maybe there's a little bit more to go with with quickly considering he hasn't gotten the playing time that he probably wants or deserves uh, in New York because of the guy's ahead of him and he's now going to be a starter here in Toronto. But, no, that, that's a fully formed-ish player. I think the pressure for him particularly when it comes to wins, losses, not that he's going to be on the hot seat anytime soon, but no, it's no more of this. Hey, well, there's the guy with the good vibes thing. Like, no, no, we need to see results. And if we don't sure, it's going to be the players first, but you're not going to be far behind them.
2: Yeah. And I suppose there is the other shoe to drop, right? If this doesn't, if this doesn't look seamless and I'm not even just talking about this road trip, but between now and the deadline, then you can say, okay, the Siakam trade needs to happen, but you're you're right. This is a coach that has been given more tools to win. Again, we did it yesterday. He turned one player into two. They need depth. Now they have one more guy than they had the day before that trade was made, so I think that you need to see some results from him and I honestly, I do also wonder from, you know, not that they're, they're wishy-washy on him. They literally just hired him, but if you're Messiah and Bobby, you say All right, this is good. Like, now I get a chance to see the other side of the coin here. I've got the vibes guy. That didn't go so
0: well, let's see what the coach is going to do. Well, also, like, don't make us look like idiots here. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, this is—we're trying to rehab our, our—not our image again because yeah. they were champions. They brought the championship to Toronto mm-hmm. for the first time in franchise history in 2019, but it's been a bad run. Uh, this could change a lot of things, especially if it results in victories. Uh, one for one so far. We'll see if it's two <sighs> zero tonight in Memphis against the Grizzlies. When we come back, back into the Leafs who come up with a 3 nothing victory yesterday in L.A. against the Kings. Um, we'll talk to our pal Gord Stellick and more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.